Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This content is not suitable for children, and listener discretion is advised. In 1955, Mary and John Knowles had been an outwardly happy couple, married for 43 years. John had been a chimney sweep and a labourer, and at the time the couple met, Mary was working in his family home. Their friendship took no time to blossom into romance, and around 1912 they were married. They had six children, three sons and three daughters, but only four survived childhood, and the couple had become grandparents. But over the next two years, the townsfolk of Windy Nook began to feel something strange was going on. They just couldn't work out what it was. My name's Benjamin Fitton from They Walk Among Us. Welcome to Murder Town, the podcast. Following each episode of Crime and Investigation's brand new true crime TV series, we'll explore another case right here. Mary and John had survived the hard times of the first half of the 20th century. They were both tough and got on best with what they had. Resourceful, some would say. They had both grown up in Tyne and Weir. Mary had come from Hebburn, and when they married, they settled in Windy Nook, a little village south of Newcastle and northwest of Sunderland. Windy Nook grew around a small number of quarries that were established in the late 1700s. Producing sandstone and the local Newcastle grindstone, these quarries made the area famous, the goods helping to build churches and other local buildings. In the early days, the community prospered on the strength of the quarries, a tiny community holding its own against the bigger cities nearby. Made up of a few stores, a few pubs and a small cluster of houses, Windy Nook grew to over 500 homes by the time the quarries became disused in the early part of the 20th century. By the time Mary and John Knowles were in their 40th year of their marriage, their village had little prospects for anyone after steady employment. Most had moved towards nearby Gateshead or further on to Newcastle or Sunderland in the hope of work. Mary and John took in a lodger, a painter named John Russell, and by September 1955, with John Russell in the house, Mary's husband John became ill. 
It was a short illness. It came on suddenly, and when he died at 76, the doctor believed he may have had TB. Mary and John Russell, the lodger, remained at the home in Windy Nook, and soon the pair became lovers. But a few months later, in January of 1956, John Russell died. His death, apparently from natural causes. Combined, Mary was left with £42. Mary got on with life in the village, and in May that year, she was visiting her friend, the local cafe owner, Mrs Connolly, who was telling her about the new lodger she and her husband had taken in. Oliver Leonard, widowed earlier that year, had been living both with his sister as well in the local hostels for the elderly. He had recently got to know a Mrs Connolly through a cafe. He had mentioned to her more than once that he wished to live in a real home again and not the hostels. Mrs Connolly and her husband took pity on Oliver and it wasn't long before he moved into their home. So when Mary heard about the new tenant, she asked, Has that old so-and-so got any money? Mrs Connolly, knowing he had just given her £60 as a deposit for his lodging, replied that yes, he did. After that, Mary became a regular visitor and before long, Leonard told Mrs Connolly that he was moving out and moving in with Mary. Not too long after Oliver had moved in, Mary went to visit Mrs Connolly, who asked how things were going with the couple. Mary said, Get up there and get that old man out of my house. He won't sign any money over to me until I marry him. By September, they were married in a small service at the Jarrow Registry Office. Two days after they wed, Mary phoned the James Henry Hawes insurance agent in Jarrow and asked if he would drop by to meet them. When he arrived at the newlyweds' home, Mary explained that she had just had Leonard's will altered to include her, but they were also interested in finding out about life insurance. She was surprised to hear that it wasn't possible. At 75, Leonard was too old. Two weeks into their marriage, on October 1st, Oliver visited his doctor. He was a little breathless and the doctor found that he had some signs of cardiac trouble. Prior to this, he was very fit and the doctor knew him as very healthy for his age. Oliver was prescribed some medication and he went home. He spent most of the following day in bed and that night he was up being sick. He had gotten worse. Mary woke just after 5am when she heard Oliver hit the floor. He had fallen out of bed and she couldn't get him up. She ran to the neighbours for help and when they came around they got him back into bed. One of the neighbours suggested that he might benefit from some brandy Mary, saying she didn't have any, made a cup of tea for him instead and handed a cup to the neighbour. When Oliver tasted the tea, he spat it out on the floor and knocked the cup over. Soon more neighbours arrived to help. One suggested that Mary get a doctor immediately. He could see that Oliver Leonard was gravely ill and was worried he was dying. Mary refused and it wasn't until midday, almost six hours later, that a doctor was finally called to the house. Just before the doctor arrived, Oliver passed away. After examining the body, the doctor wrote out a certificate that stated that he had died following a rapid degeneration of the heart muscles. The cause of death was said to be myocardial degeneration and chronic kidney disease. 
Not one to be left all alone, Mary soon struck up a friendship with local 75-year-old retired engineer and former variety artist Ernest Wilson. They got to know each other quickly, and he was not shy in telling her that he was thinking about marriage. He assured her that he had security. He had a nice house and had £50 life insurance. Mary agreed to marry him and told him she would rather move into his home, a run-down council bungalow, as her house was just too big for her and the rent was soon to increase. At their small wedding reception, someone asked Mary, then Mary Wilson, what should be done with the leftover cakes. Mary replied, jokingly, just hang on to them, they will do for the funeral. Two weeks into their marriage, Ernest, who was ordinarily in good health, began feeling unwell. He'd been at the pub the night before, and when he came home and was offered dinner by Mary, he refused and went to bed. The following day, Mary called the doctor to the house, who found Ernest with heart trouble. Having been a patient of the same doctor for almost 20 years, the physician was a little unsure what was causing the sudden onset of issues. Ernest had never suffered any serious illnesses his whole life. He was prescribed some medication to settle his blood pressure and heart rate and made arrangements to see Ernest in a couple of days. That night, at around 9pm, Mary arrived at the home of one of her friends, Mrs Grace Liddell. She said in passing that Ernest was quite sick, but she did not know what was wrong with him. Mary had Ernest's gold watch with her and mentioned that she was going to sell it. Mary didn't go home that night. She slept over at Mrs Liddell's. When Mrs Liddell accompanied Mary home in the morning, Mary stopped her before entering and said she was about to get a shock. When Mrs Liddell entered, she saw Ernest, laid out on trestles covered in white with something covering his face. He was dead. But what had actually occurred was even more bizarre. The day before, Ernest couldn't get out of bed and Mary could see he was gravely ill. She phoned the doctor again to visit, saying she thought he was dying. When the doctor arrived, Ernest was already dead. In his opinion, it appeared as though Ernest may have actually died a few hours before. He wrote out a death certificate stating that Ernest had died of cardiomuscular failure. After this, Mary went to stay with Mrs Liddell, likely not wanting to stay in the house with the dead body. But as Mrs Little accompanied Mary home that morning and saw Ernest lying dead on a table, she was shocked that Mary hadn't said anything and she asked Mary to explain. Mary, instead of saying that Ernest had died at home, said that he had died in hospital in Newcastle. Mrs Little, in shock, asked Mary if she had done anything to him, to which Mary replied, Don't be silly, I'd never hurt him. After Mrs Little left the house... Mary went down to the hotel where she and Ernest had held their wedding reception and she struck up a conversation with the owner. She didn't tell him that Ernest was dead. She told him that he was seriously ill in hospital in Gateshead. Following the death, Mrs Little accompanied Mary to a club which held some of Ernest's money, the insurance company where Mary received £9 and then onto the bank where Mary tried to withdraw Ernest's last £100. At Ernest's funeral, which only Mary and Grace Little attended, Mary joked with the undertaker about a discount, seeing as she had given him so much business. 
It wasn't just the undertaker who found this odd. The villagers had been talking about Mary's partners dropping like flies since the death of her first husband, John, two years earlier. It wasn't until the end of that month that Ernest Wilson's son, George, heard that his father had died and by then buried. George arrived at Mary's house and asked her why she had not informed him earlier. She said that she had only thought to tell his sister. Mary told George that his father had died of some type of seizure and not of cardiomuscular failure, as told to her by the doctor. George was furious, and even more so when he found that Mary had already collected the money his father had died with. With the death of four of Mary's partners, it was Ernest Wilson's passing that caught the attention of authorities. Mary had gone to stay with Mrs Liddell when the police first arrived to question her. There, they found an unassuming grandmother with four dead lovers in two years. Knowing something was not right, they still needed to prove it. While the investigation began, police kept tabs on Mary Wilson. While looking into the death reports, they found similarities in the symptoms of all men. They had less information on her first husband and subsequent lover, so the police focused on the two most recent deaths for which inquests had begun. The following day, news broke to the small town. Mary, from outside her home, told waiting reporters that she was ready to answer any questions. She knew in her heart that she was completely innocent. She believed that the investigation into her, being a husband killer, was purely based on malicious small-town gossip. She said, I've had plenty of troubles, but I believe in keeping cheerful. My conscience is clear. I have looked after all my men as a good wife should. Police then went in and searched the home Mary had shared with Ernest Wilson for almost three hours. It was decided that the remains of the most recent two husbands, Oliver Leonard and Ernest Wilson, buried in separate cemeteries, would be exhumed. Pathologist Dr Stewart conducted a post-mortem examination and concluded that the cause of death listed on Oliver Leonard's death certificate did not match his findings. Tests came back that showed his stomach and intestines contained a high level of elemental phosphorus and traces of wheat bran. Traces of wheat bran found in the decomposed stomach and intestines of a man would not be of great concern had it not been for the phosphorus. These two items are two of the three ingredients used to make rodent, beetle and cockroach poison. It was his expert opinion that Oliver Leonard had ingested poison and very likely without his knowledge. When Ernest Wilson's body was exhumed, it was found he had not died of cardiomuscular failure at all. His body was found to contain traces of phosphorus and wheat bran. There was no other explanation for those levels of phosphorus in both bodies and it was determined that the two men had been poisoned. Mary was then interviewed for six hours. Police asked her if anyone ever prepared meals for her last two husbands other than herself. She replied, no. When confronted with the evidence of poisoning, Mary simply said they must have eaten something when they were out. While putting their case together and awaiting the approval of an arrest warrant, Mary was free to go. On Wednesday the 11th of December 1957, in Mary's hometown of Hebburn, she had been staying in a hotel since Ernest had died. This particular day, the last few lunchtime customers had left and the hotel doors were closed. Mary was in her room, 
just 150 yards from the police station, she answered the door to her solicitor. He informed her that the police would soon be arriving to take her in for further questioning. Outside the hotel, police were waiting in their car. When police came in and placed Mary under arrest for the murder of her last husband, Ernest Wilson, she said, I have nothing to say at this stage. While on remand in Durham Prison, police laid charges for the murder of Oliver Leonard. It was decided that she would stand trial for the murders of both men. On conclusion of her hearing, Mary told a local reporter that she gave all four men in her life nothing but kindness. In March 1958, 66-year-old Mary Elizabeth Wilson appeared before Leeds Assizes on trial for the two murders. Her plead, not guilty. The jury heard that upon exhumations of her two lovers, they found the original causes of death to be false. It was of the prosecution's strong belief that both men had died from high-level phosphorus poisoning, the ingredient found in rat, beetle and cockroach poisons. Lead prosecutor Mr R. W. Payne said, Within little more than a year, the accused murdered two husbands by poisoning. This is one of those cases that in the ordinary way one would associate more with the realm of fiction rather than real life. How comes it that after the most careful investigation we find the same circumstances and the same cause of death in both cases? Mary's defence argued that both husbands had used a sexual stimulant pill, or a love pill, which contained phosphorus, and that these pills were readily available. Phosphorus had been used as an ingredient in many medicines since the 18th century, when it was found to assist in the treatment of tuberculosis. By the early 1900s it was used in tonics as a less toxic form, and by the 1950s it was becoming commonplace in British medicines an ingredient used to treat depression, exhaustion, pneumonia and even impotence. It was not a rare ingredient to find. But what was rare was to find it mixed with wheat bran. Only in rodent, beetle and cockroach poison was the combination found. There was something else unique about the type of phosphorus found in the bodies of the two men. The colour. Crown witness Dr Ian Barclay of the Home Office Lab took the stand stating that it was his belief that the type of phosphorus found in the stomach and intestines of both men was yellow. Yellow phosphorus was used in the poison, but not the pills the defence was describing. A pill, the same sexual stimulant pill Mary had argued the men used, was then crushed with a coin on the edge of the witness box. The doctor confirmed the scent of phosphorus, but showed it was not the same yellow type. When questioned, he explained he was not surprised that the traces of phosphorus were still present in the bodies, and in Oliver Leonard's case, even after a year of being buried, was a result of the high levels of phosphorus having been administered at the same time. When refuting the argument that the two men may have accidentally taken poison, Mr Payne turned to the jury and said, Even if it was possible that the poison could be taken accidentally, it was beyond the realms of credibility that two men, married to the same woman, made the same mistake at an interval of about a year. On March 29, 1958, Mary arrived in court for the verdict. When Mr Justice Hinkcliffe prepared to pass sentencing on Mary that day, he sat a small black cap on the bench next to him, traditionally worn by judges at the passing of death sentences. 
the justice was prepared for what was coming. Mary Wilson stood, with a female prison officer on one side and a nurse on the other. A guilty verdict was announced. The clerk of the court turned to Mary and said, You have been convicted of murder. What have you of yourself to say why sentence of death should not be passed upon you according to law? Mary did not utter a word. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The year prior, as Mary Wilson was feeding two husband cockroach poison, the United Kingdom passed a new act. The Homicide Act of 1957 altered a few things to the existing system. It abolished the doctrine of constructive malice, reforming the partial defence of provocation. It also introduced both the partial defence of suicide pact, as well as diminished responsibility. And finally, and probably most memorably, it restricted the use of the death penalty. Murder by poisoning was no longer punishable by death on its own, but it could still be imposed if the accused is found guilty of murdering another person on a separate occasion. Mary's appeal was denied, and her execution was set for Wednesday, June 4, 1958, at Durham Prison. But it would only be a short time before the death penalty for which the prosecution had fought for would be reduced to life in prison. Mary's application for reprieve was approved by the Home Secretary based on her age. She was sent to Holloway Women's Prison to carry out her life sentence. What Mary didn't know at the time was that in December the previous year, at the time of her arrest, detectives had also exhumed the bodies of her first husband, John Knowles, and her subsequent lover, John Russell. Late one winter's afternoon, detectives had watched on as gravediggers worked through the driving rain to exhume the bodies. When night fell, hurricane lamps were lit until both coffins were cleared from the earth. The inquest were not held until after Mary's trial, but the results would mirror those of her latter two husbands. Death by phosphorus poisoning. 
Already incarcerated, they found no reason to call a second trial. It's well known that only a small percentage of known serial killers worldwide are women. The percentage of convicted female serial killers on record hovers somewhere between 10 and 15% across various reports. But the real figures, the true statistics are unknown. The term black widow is one used to describe a woman who kills multiple husbands or partners. She's rare, but she is not unheard of. At the time of Mary Wilson's murder spree, it was no secret that household poisons could kill. But this was a time before routine toxicology reports, a time when a doctor's signature was all that was needed to sign off a cause of death, and only in cases where foul play was suspected would screenings take place. Arsenic or animal baits were the type of poison that could be administered in small doses and go undetected. The poison building up in the victim's system until organs failed or the person just dropped dead, often believed to be of natural causes. For Mary Wilson, it was her mouth that got her into trouble in the end, making jokes and raising suspicion, possibly getting complacent and dropped her guard. Four partners in two years was not going to go unnoticed forever, and at 66, when number four died, to remarry again would have raised suspicion with the already gossiping town. Four and a half years into her sentence at 70, Mary Wilson died in prison. The merry widow of Windy Nook, as she became known, never did admit to poisoning the men in her life. She still believed that all four of her lovers required impotence pills, and that by some chance, all four of them had died from their effects. I'm Catherine Kelly, host of Crime and Investigation's brand new true crime TV series, Murder Town. Join me next Monday at 9pm on my final journey as I visit Brighton, the seaside resort famous for its Victorian arcades, but also where a body was found in the trunk of a car. For more information on the series, head to crimeandinvestigation.co.uk and let us know your thoughts by searching for Crime and Investigation on social media or using hashtag MurderTown. The Murder Town podcast is hosted by Benjamin Fitton, written by Anna Priestland, produced by Sam Pearson and Chloe Frost, with editing by James Colopy. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.